0: Hello, it's me. It's your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Hannah Wolf here. Welcome back to the Mez. Thank you so very much for joining me once again uh, for a very, very special edition of the program. Today, my former guidance counselor and my very close friend, Tanya Keeney, Joins the program to talk all things music. This is a very, very, very special conversation to me. I have not had a conversation like this with her in a very long time. We used to have conversations like this count, countless, countless times throughout high school. I used to go to her office um, for hours, and we would sit and talk music and and life and air our grievances about school and what was going on, and I. Honestly, don't know. I would have if I would have made it. I don't know if I would have made it. That's how you say that. I don't know that I would have made it through that if I did not have um, her or all of her knowledge to help guide me through that maelstrom of high school. So to you, Tanya, and to all of my wonderful teachers, um, Bano, of course, who's, who's been on this show before, and Courtney Malcolm, and Mr. Schiebler, and Mr. Ragona, Miss Priest, so many of you inspired me uh, for so many years uh, during that time, and I always will remember you for the impact that you had on my life, both as a person and as a student, and for that I am very, very thankful. Um, so I really hope all of you guys who are listening really enjoyed this conversation, um, that you laugh along with us, and that you take notes. There is lots and lots of stuff in here for you to listen to. I tried to grab as much of it out as I could, and... Um, put it in the show notes for you. There's as much information in there as I could possibly fit. Um, speaking of housekeeping related things, uh, for those of you who are subscribed to the Patreon, that link is also in the show notes. The seventh edition of what spinning is available for you to listen to uh, very, very special edition this week. Of course, there are lots of recommendations on there from the early days of uh, my meetings with Miss Keeney. So uh, please go check that out if you can. There is no episode next week as of yet. I'm still working on that. So please stay abreast on the socials for the latest happenings there. But not next week, the week after, the week of the 18th, my old pal Kiki D will be joining me on the program. This is very exciting. And uh, I hope that you will subscribe to this program wherever you get your podcasts so that you can hear all of our previous episodes as well as the one that we will be having. The one that's coming, excuse me, uh, with Miss Kiki D. Um, And at the end of the show, I just realized we could start putting music in this show. So I decided to round out this program with a song that means a lot to both uh, Tanya and myself. Um, So please stay tuned for a little musical treat at the end of this episode. Again, thank you all so much for your love and support. This conversation was so, 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 so special so, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my dear old pal, Tanya Thousands for us, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, it's going to be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Oh, I'm psyched. I, you know, like I said, I've I, i uh, I've always loved talking music with you, Hannah, and it's uh, it's bringing me back to, like, hanging out in my windowless office at Sharon High,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. I uh, like, what a better way to, you know, I guess... Celebrate this project you've been doing and sort of recreate one of those get out of a a school assembly meetings.
1: (laughs) I know, I don't have to write you a pass after all this either, which is great. I know. (laughs) Exciting. Great. So, I want
0: to ask you about this. Like, how did the pandemic record of the day start? And for those listening, talk about what it is.
1: Okay. So, well, first of all, I've been collecting records since I first saved my allowance money at, like, I think I was five, and my mom, you know, I do little tasks, and I got my first record at, like, age of five, went out and got, like, Monkey's Greatest Hits, you know? Um, So I've been collecting records forever and ever and ever, since probably the early 70s. And my record collection's gone through a lot of iterations, a lot of... A lot of them were left behind when I moved from uh, Minnesota to to New England, but over time I have thousands of records and I have a really well curated collection in my house and I have more in my attic and there are various households around around the country. But nonetheless, I've always wanted an excuse to do some sort of project where I, ideally I'm a pretty linear person, uh, but I wanted to play my records for people all 200 followers I have on Twitter, you know, woo! But um, no, it's just, it was an exercise that if I'm gonna be locked up in a pandemic doing the right thing, you know, staying out of trouble, staying at home, um, I wanted to reacquaint myself with my music. Um, so, and it's it's been a blast. So it's been just about a year now where I've not missed a day doing a pandemic record of the day. Uh, long story short, I guess I, I've played I've done an alphabetical sequence that's what I'm on right now which is a serious alphabetical I'm starting letter q tomorrow which is crazy Uh, but I've also taken some hiatus here there I've played my 45s I've gone through and tried to address some of my miscellaneous soundtrack stuff and um, you know yeah it's just it's been a it's been a really gratifying awesome way to start my day with some coffee and some music and um, you know getting through this year Uh, it's been great Oh my God, getting through this
0: year has been insane. And one thing I loved that you did too on Twitter was you were doing what was it, the Corona Music Challenge. Yeah,
1: I did. Uh, You know, I started off, I was doing two a day. It got a little, you know, I mean I probably for what four months or so I was doing the Corona Music Challenge of the day. Yeah. So just I'm curious. I'm always curious about the music interests of my friends. How deep their knowledge may go. Um, people can surprise me. I'm sure you found that too. Like, wow, you've got some some heavy knowledge. Um, yeah. So it's been it was a ton of fun just to see people's guilty pleasures or you know asking more obscure questions like, what's that perfect album that has that one really awful song on it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole other conversation because there are some albums that have just been ruined by one miserable track, but. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that that was keeping me going too, you know, just really engaging with people and trying to, you know, make some connections through this universal language of music that we all share. Um, and I learned a lot about my friends, uh, good, bad, and ugly in terms of <laughs> what they're into. Uh, yeah. You know, but with all due respect, I mean, if you're listening to music, I'm happy. Um, I feel like it's, it should be everybody's, you know, vitamin drug of the day. So yeah. Right.
0: Did you learn anything interesting, like, um, one thing I'm curious about is, cause like, I remember like going through the Twitter thread, you know, and it was cool because, I mean, for those listening, you were my guidance counselor in high school, just how we met, which I think is awesome. Um, uh, uh, definitely like meant to be for sure. No doubt. Uh, um, And because I've been out of the school for so long, and now there's all these like social media connections with teachers and like like this new um, I'm not gonna call actually I'll say it this way this sort of like the social barrier has now been lifted in a way that maybe was always sort of there with me specifically and the people that we interact with I guess Um, and so to to actually have conversations about these things without all of that sort of weighing on all of us was really cool, mm-hmm. you know, and I learned a whole bunch of stuff about all of our pals and, and, <laughs> and colleagues and, you know, folks who taught me. Um, what were some of the things that you found most surprising, like in terms of like, man, I wasn't expecting you to say that those kind of moments?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's a certain teacher that we uh, know that I was surprised. They really, really love things like the Indigo Girls and a lot of like early nineties women's music and like pro Lilith Fair and all that, you know? Um, that's awesome. I mean, I feel like for me, you know, sometimes those can even be like little bits of guilty pleasures as time moves on. I'm not, I'm not exactly like, you know, putting the banner out there that like, yeah, I can't wait to go home and listen to that uh, Sarah McLaughlin record, you know, so, you know, whatever, but um, you know, loud, bold, out and proud, you know, straight white male listening to the Indigo Girls. I, I thought that was amazing and actually just really great modeling and mentoring to others. And, and again, modeling that, you know, there's no shame in liking what you like and, right. uh, and the, I, you know, the whole guilty pleasure concept, I, it's one of my favorite questions to ask because I think you learn a lot about people And what resonates with them when you learn about the stuff that they're kind of like hiding in a corner, listening to? So, what uh, are some of those things for you now? Because you're one of those people who I
0: talk to when I talk to talk to them about music. the The answer to these questions always changes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What What are some of the things right now that are
1: surprising? Hmm. I don't want to hear yours too, but uh, you know. (laughs) So I'm guilty pleasure, and like I said, I, I'm gonna just go out there with it because you can't be cool. shy about these things. But I freaking love the Loggins and Messina live record. <laughs> um, I want a full, you know, side C of Angry Eyes. Uh, I want to go down that rabbit hole of like, like Mellow California Gold. I love that stuff. Yeah. So, so that's one. Um, I still, I'm amazed at how few people understand the brilliance of Joe Jackson. Um, I it love it's Joe- amazing yeah I love Joe Jackson's I've seen him live pretty much every decade since the 80s um, and he never ceases to amaze me and how so many people are just like what you yeah, know never Joe Jackson um, I've weirdly rediscovered craft work this year <laughs> so oh. yeah you know um, I think that stuff's pretty great um, definitely uh, revolutionary I oh, guess no. in the world of electronic music for sure yeah no doubt no doubt. Um, God, and here's another good one. I was, I was kind of looking, thinking about this today. Um, I, sh- I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit I like Robert Palmer. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. So, and I'm talking like the mid-70s stuff before, you know, uh, you know. Uh, Addicted to love uh, or whatever. Yeah, all that, you know. Uh, so I, um, I adore the song Didn't Mean to Turn You On. I think that's just it like, one of the, it's like a groovy song, man. Yeah. Um, but old Robert Palmer, you know, like barefoot in the Bahamas, Robert Palmer. Um, I, I love that stuff. It was really bold '70s craziness. Uh, yeah. so, so that's sure. a guilty pleasure of mine these days too. So those are kind of new. How about you? What are you into? Hey, yeah. So
0: it's interesting because it a lot of the taste has now sort of centered around like music documentaries. Okay. Really. Because what else do we do these days but stare at screens for things? Um, I recently watched that Biggie documentary, I Got a Story to Tell, which if anybody listening hasn't seen it yet, you have to go watch it. Um, So, so good. I wish it was a little bit longer, actually. It left me sort of wanting more, you know? And both in the sense of like, I want the movie to be longer. I want to hear more about the story and the music and all of this stuff but also the fact that he died so young and we only got this little teeny tiny taste of what could have been so I went I never listened to ready to die like all the way through before I'd never done that yeah I was like what better thing to do having watched this movie than to just put the record on and go Mm -hmm. and I was blown away by it anybody and you know this most people who know me know this hip-hop is like not I don't, I have, I know nothing. I fully admit to being completely and utterly uninformed about hip hop. So watching the movie, having the context in which the record was made, and then hearing the record and the story and all that stuff was so sort of, it really, I gotta be honest, like opened my eyes up so much wider to be like, oh, wow, this isn't just like a cliche record that some casual fans sort of pulled out of a hat. Like this is a real, masterpiece
1: yeah no doubt agreed I have to I will say too I know for a fact from speaking of documentaries like you two shed a tear over the uh the Bee Gees doc which uh, oh my god <laughs> and and then like going back and seeing like oh my god Andy Gibb speaking of like people who are like what could Andy Gibb have been you know but oh my god. Uh, no so, one should be ashamed of loving the Bee Gees because that's just otherworldly you know amazing. so you know my parents oh I do <laughs> and I watched that movie with my dad,
0: and it was one of those rare moments where dad and I connected over music yep. again, and it was so fascinating. First of all, that movie's amazing, and everybody should watch that movie. Yep. And I guess I cried throughout the whole thing. Yep. But the other part of it is I'd spent most of it with my jaw on the floor, because it's essentially they just pulled these songs out of the air. <laughs> Such talent, Yeah. Talent that, because the Bee Gees are more like the Beach Boys in that, you know, you think of the Beach Boys, we've had this conversation before about how, oh, it's just, you know, people will say, oh, it's just California pop, it's like not really anything, and then you read about pet sounds and you start to understand pet sounds and then you listen to pet sounds having all of this you go oh my god yeah
1: dude, and you, then you want to get out of Brian Wilson's head actually you do <laughs> you don't want to be there forever not no. forever just reside there for a little while um second yeah. and you know like like with the bee gees too i was i was so amazed and freaked out about um the the recording of is it is spirits have flown when they were in Miami like that footage with barry like and they're just coming up with these these like incredible you know i just want to like loop a million times now but um that was footage i'd never seen the miami years with gibbs and when they kind of came back together and got over their egos and uh you know morris was healthy and and robin wasn't you know he was he was married and happy the geeky one you know so anyway. anyway
0: it was amazing and well, so and i fell in love with those songs really for the first time oh sweet you know, because yeah. you know my parents had the saturday night fever soundtrack who you know on vinyl who doesn't yeah and i knew you know staying alive but like really what is staying alive when you have songs like more than a woman you know or nights on broadway or yeah. you know, name the song and also
1: them as songwriters i had no idea Oh, so you you discovered all the 60s stuff and yeah. got to get a message oh and Massachusetts and those harmonies and.
0: Unbelievable. Oh my God, right? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> so those were like the two big discoveries. The other one, are you familiar with the remastered series on Netflix? Uh, I don't think I am. Inform me, please. So it's a really wonderful series about like, um, I'm not going to say it's true crime, but it's like, famous incidents in music history. So like one episode covers the assassination attempt on Bob Marley. Another one covers uh, the murder of Sam Cooke. Um, My favorite one is about Robert Johnson where they talk about like, did he really sell his soul to the devil? Devil, Right, yes. So each each one covers sort of um, a really famous like tragedy in music and the political context that tends to exist around them yep. and I watched one on the um, the Miami show band. You familiar with them? Okay, were they, no, were they- oh, talking, this is a, be, this a interesting phenomenon. So okay. during the um, the conflict in Ireland when the North and South were fighting each other,
1: yep.
0: um, there was this trend, I think it started in the South, where you had these cover bands essentially who were doing sort of this sort of like Beatles-esque B-list pop covers. Yeah, okay. okay. They were super popular.
1: Yeah.
0: And then one band, the Miami Show Band, and they were sort of like a yacht Rocky kind of like cover band. Sure. But the shitty part about it is that the band got ambushed crossing the border between Northern and Southern Ireland. Oh, damn. And um, a good portion of the members in the van died that night and the essentially the rest of the movie is them talking about the conflict between the two parts of the country mm-hmm. and England's, you know involvement, all of it, these sort of like homegrown militia groups that were fighting each other, and how it all relates to this band and this massacre that occurred. It was so fascinating, So fascinating. The music is sort of like, eh? But it was just the how this sort of, I guess mundane, kind of super hyper-local band became the center of this really important national Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. wow. Oh, that's awesome. I'll definitely check
0: that out. So that was one. The other one, I've revisited a lot of Bob Marley stuff after watching that one. Okay. After watching that film. Because, you know, I think every reggae was something I missed. Yeah. I don't know why. It just, I like skipped over Mm -hmm. reggae. Somewhere along the line, so I think going back, I've sit, blah, blah, blah. I've gone, gone back and sat down with Exodus and okay. a lot of the old Bob Marley stuff, which has been always fun.
1: But uh, always. Prom- promise me if you haven't yet that you will sit down and do a warm vinyl listening party with uh Babylon yeah. by Bus. Oh my God, like okay. one of the best live albums I've ever ever heard. If I the- will do
0: that. I will yeah. do that. I've been trying to listen to like one vinyl record
1: a week. Oh sweet. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. I haven't, I'm like, I haven't gone crate digging in a while just because a lot of these places are closed, you know? Yep. yep. Um, but I did go back and I have, do you, did you know that I have the concert for Bangladesh on vinyl? I don't know that, but that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I found it in my dad's parents' basement. They had it. Sweet. Okay. And I was like, I uh, mean, then they, and they had things like Johnny Mathis and like, <laughs> Paul Anka like the most unhippy stuff, right? Yes. and there's nothing wrong with liking those things. It's just yes. very square. Mm-hmm. And you know then there's this box that I don't really know what it is when I find it. Cool. And of course I open it up and there's a the photo I book. Know. yeah yes and Eric Clapton and George Harrison and Leon Russell and Billy Preston and I'm going, holy shit Mm -hmm. holy shit oh my god and it's it's three albums six sides beautiful killer yep killer that's another thing people listening if you haven't go find audio of that somehow yeah absolutely i agree with you
1: and you you bring up a good point with that too hannah like like part of this too is my childhood was sent spent in my bedroom really like pouring over liner notes mm. once we lost you know vinyl for a long time it was gone i mean i managed a record store as vinyl was completely it was pushed back to the back of the store and finally we boxed it all up and shipped it off to god knows yeah. where to make room for cds um and i just I, you know it's you know i, I yeah. it, there's just something about um kind of sitting down and starting my morning each morning with vinyl and really i i will go back and look at these liner notes i read them i think about how many incredible you know, journalists we need to bring back and do this sort of work again. I mean, they're just yeah. incredible. Um, so that's been, that's been a real pleasure too. So speaking yeah. of like the Bangladesh, I mean, talk about that book. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's unreal.
0: Yeah. Kn- and at the time that I had found it, I didn't really know what it was, Yeah, you yeah. know? I, every now and then I think everybody has this moment where you go in and out of Beatles obsession, sure. you know? Yep, it's always there, but there are moments where it's like super duper intense, yep. and there are moments where it's sort of not. Yep. And so I was always a big Beatles fan, but I wasn't really familiar with George's solo stuff yet. Yeah. Okay. And I remember the moment realizing that Eric Clapton and George Harrison were playing on the same song together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's two guitars. Yep. This is a live track. Mm-hmm. one person's doing one thing oh, it that <laughs> yes. that's sort of the 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 gravy that we all sort of look for um the other thing I, I really want to spend some time talking about too is we haven't been to shows since March uh-huh correct
1: and I'm, uh, yeah I I'm, I'm ready to, to go go ahead sorry I'm sorry Anna how are you doing with that I was was just like, I can't even wait to talk about that. I mean, I am, I was just saying yesterday or the day before, like I will go to the cheesiest outdoor courtyard and hear the worst guitarist on the planet play, you know, James Taylor, who, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't, I typically can't do James Taylor because it either makes me cry or whatever, but you know, I will go see that person and put, you know, lighters up and everything. I am so ready. Uh, last summer was the summer I planned. I had uh, I had tickets to two dead shows, the dead company shows. I had two in Colorado, two in Boston, one at Saratoga. I was gonna do five shows and it just crushed me. And yeah. good tickets too, like sweet tickets. Yeah. Um, so that was that was painful, definitely painful. Yeah. I, I, I know how ready you are. I cannot wait, I, I, and are you with me? Like, you'll see anything right now. I don't oh, <laughs> oh, I don't care if it's the wedding band.
0: I really don't care. I Let's go, let's yep. do it right yep. now. It's, it is, you know, I had one show a week for Tedeschi Trucks. Yes. I had, you know, I had Red Rocks, two shows. I had Atlanta, two shows. I had New Hampshire, Philly. And then I think I had one, I had Long Island, that's seven gigs, just for this one band.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Thankfully, the shows
0: all got moved so that I didn't lose them. And like all the trips are booked and flights and all these things are sort of in the process of being reworked. Yep. But, you know, like to not see my friends for
1: a year was really hard oh yeah it it, yeah your music friends uh we have a teacher in common that i was going to you know Mm -hmm. all those dead shows with yeah Um, and and let's hold that thought because i want to ask you an opinion about Beatles versus stones in a minute because we have this constant argument and i want to hear your opinion on it but um yeah yeah the music thing i mean last summer was the summer too like um there were some great things happening even at our little local outdoor venue here it was uh what was it um well, oh god, um, like Steely Dan and and uh, <laughs> I know, I know, uh, Black Crows reunion. Uh, oh, I, I to- get tickets to that. Yep, yep. I know. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I'm so- hopeful.
0: I if if Joe's right, listen. If Joe's right, let's pack our bags. Let's go. I have, you know, it's gonna happen. I, it it has to. I was, you know tim Lefebvre's a good friend and i was talking to him on this show uh, a few months ago and it's one of those things i was just like man i just hope it happens and he's like me too like they're ready too that's the thing that's what's yeah. so i guess annoying about the whole thing is because like we all all of us musicians fans crew yes. everyone DJ
1: like, the entire industry yeah
0: yeah fucking go yeah and you know I will talk to friends constantly what's that moment gonna be like when the first notes start to ring out like that's I can't even begin to describe how emotional that's gonna be
1: yeah I just got the feels even when you said that even imagine yeah. Uh, so, yeah so uh, I, yeah yeah I'm, o- I'm over it I really am so yeah <laughs> Have
0: Yeah. Have you engaged in any of this live stream content
1: business? Yeah, a little bit here and there. Um, The one that I really hung on to was I watched every single one of Holly uh, Bowling's. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a Holly fan. Uh, For those that don't know, she does um, incredible piano interpretations of The Grateful Dead and and Fish primarily. Um, So, yeah, I, I caught... You know, I, I paid extra money even to be part of like the VIP thing and got a and a with Holly. And um, I'm all just right. fascinated by her vision. Sure. But she was taking her and her dog and her husband, like went to all these basically national parks and other like beautiful natural places and spaces and just sat out. And, you know, she, Holly can sit down and do Terrapin, you know. Uh, for like 45 minutes, just, you know, wildly crazy interpretation of it. And um, I can't stop watching or listening. So, so that was my big one. I mean, obviously Tadashi trucks, their stuff is, I mean, that I'm so pleased they're doing it. I think about you every time I I get it in my feed, like it's tonight again. Yeah. So uh, nice
0: to have those shows and they sound great. They look great. You know, it's, it's the thing that I love about them of all the things I love about them is Mm -hmm. that anything you get is going to be great yeah Yeah. it's going to be great and it's going to be made with a lot of love and that I think radiates
1: to everything that they do yeah and a lot of thought into the sets and yeah are they recording those by the way do you know that
0: yes so the the audio is available if you want to buy them awesome Um, okay I can put all the the stuff in the show notes for for people to find it and I'll send it to you of course as well please Um, Because they just, Bobby Tees, who's doing all their audio, is just like a master. And they record everything. They have an old Neve board at their studio. They record everything on tape. Like, they
1: are, they do it right. As far as we're concerned, like, they yep. do it the right way. Yeah yeah um do you know what uh, so i i this is a little random but the other one i really got into was um so sassy black i don't know if you know sassy black she was part of the satisfaction uh which was a, a a a awesome young black women out of seattle this duo that made a couple really great records sassy black is just she is like plugging away at it she's really hustling with her music and uh she's got a little like you know a little meaty keyboard and she's uh You know, making content all the time on Bandcamp. And I love to support her because I really, um, this was a band that just blew up and then they broke up. And now you see her like she's literally in her, well, I don't know, I shouldn't, uh, maybe it's not a shitty apartment, but it looks like she's in her little shitty apartment just Mm -hmm. dancing around and doing her thing. So supporting those that were on the cusp of something, you know, I I feel so, I feel so bad for some of the folks that were just on this like meteoric, you know, trajectory. And then, so boom for sure or even
0: groups that that had a shot that never made it like you know that i'm obsessed with people like that are you you familiar with a group called magic music no no what a great name this movie it's called the magic music movie okay available on youtube you can buy it it's like 8.99 or something all right and it's this it's the review got me the review i forget who wrote the review but the line was good vibes from old hippies yes please that's like just <laughs> give it to me give it give it all to me yeah yeah and it's about this band called magic music they were a folk band okay. in boulder in the 70s really? and they lived out of school buses in el dorado canyon mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense, and I'm not even they, batting an eye. Yes. <laughs> oh, and they used to play it in the quad at the University of Colorado Boulder. Oh wow! And it's acoustic guitars, a banjo, mandolin, and tabla.
1: Ah, of course there was a tabla, cause... right? Yeah. <laughs> the 70s, man,
0: right, right. And it's just it's un. This movie is unbelievable. Like they they never got a contract. Nice. No record ever came out. But Lee Anderson, who's the producer of like Two and a Half Men, like this really sort of famous producer, yeah, went to college at University of Colorado Boulder, and used to go see this band play on the lawn or whatever, and they were this sort of like local phenomenon among these young hippie kids who are, of course, all much older now. Uh-huh. And the the essentially the goal of this movie was put to put the band back together. Okay. They open they had opened for Cat Stevens, but they blew it. Like something like they would hit the the moment where they would get the contract and then they'd blow it. Okay. You know, like something okay. always happened to them. Okay. And it was and one guy became a professor, one guy moved back home, one guy got married, one guy like it they all sort of splintered around, but they all come back for a 40th anniversary show at the at the Boulder Theater and all okay. of their Hippie friends are there. And it's just like, I've never cried so much. Ah, for them too. Yes. Yeah. And the the soundtrack came out and it's all of their original music. I think they had remixed all the demos or, you know, went in and recorded everything or they made it sound nice. And it's available on Spotify or you can buy it, you know, however you get your music. And it's just, you listen to it and you go, why the fuck couldn't they get it together?
1: Right, right.
0: Oh. And it's just, it warmed my heart so much. Such a beautiful movie. And if you like things like Joni Mitchell, if you like, you know, I, James Taylor, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But if you like Cat Stevens or that kind of like 70s folk thing, Judy Collins, yeah. you love this band okay. and they're so good.
1: It reminds me you like the description of like a mighty wind you know like the waiting for God mm-hmm. yeah like a mighty wind I'm just yeah. it sounds like that plot but but real time so it's so, amazing you know,
0: and it's so beautiful too because you know you follow these guys who were really just in it for the music like they they had no real intentions of being famous per se but they they just wanted to make great stuff and have people listen to it and enjoy it. And it was just, it was so beautiful. Such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. Highly recommended.
1: Excellent. I love it. I love it. Should we have the Beatles-Stones debate? Oh, sure. No, you know, here's where, here's my problem. So, you know... this uh, friend we're speaking of, um, you know, she she's she's opinionated like we all are. Um, yeah, but really than most people I know, she is. Yeah, that's that's fair. And and what my argument about the whole Beatles Stones argument is, it is such a false equivalency. You yeah. Can't, you know, like my issue is, I like for instance, coming up, I'm already like losing sleep over because my 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 uh, which Stones album to play because we're talking decades worth of material and like you know, have, have five times as much to pick from than the Beatles records. So to yeah. me, it's just a false equivalent to, see, to say Beatles versus Stones. I you agree know, with you. If you put Beatles and Stones in the same time frame, sure, that, that's a reasonable, uh, you know, and legacy beyond, fine. But like right now, my, my rule for my pandemic record of the day is, is, and I only did it once where I picked two um, that I could, couldn't decide. But I'm trying to just do one record. And, and for, you know, it killed me with Pink Floyd because that can change by the day. I pull records upstairs to play from my collection and then sometimes I'll be like, nah, I'm not feeling that one today. Um, so I'm already like losing sleep over what Stones I'm gonna play. But no, my that makes is, sense. we cannot have the Beatles Stones argument. I'm not gonna do it. I, it is, it's, it can't. No, happen. you make an excellent point. I think
0: that the, when you really like, reduce it down to its essence, they are two totally different bands. Yes, who, like, who do a lot of the same things yeah it for like five
1: years yeah you did your satanic majesties you did your sergeant peppers fine we all do that, right exactly you know but you know
0: i when i think about the rolling stones and like the lineage of the rolling stones i think about a blues band
1: yeah fair sure sure you know what I mean? yeah when
0: i think about the Beatles, i think more of sort of this like pop rock kind of band they're a skiffle band you know <laughs> that's that's yeah. yeah and i think you know what i mean especially considering george's performance on all things must pass like what was sort of sitting within them yeah like that i don't even it's it's funny like the amount of i love the beatles i love both bands i really do there are things about them both that i love sure but like when i think about the beatles i always think about george harrison yeah. and how they sort of fucked him over mm-hmm, you know, uh-huh. all of these amazing songs like how do you not how do you not touch a song like my sweet lord right how do you say eh, i don't yeah. know
1: how you do that i don't i don't either because we're talking about my my favorite beetle and yeah you know my favorite beetle too he was yeah. the best one yep he was the best
0: one my cerebral beetle you know yeah so he was the quiet one He was the best one. And it's like, I find myself with the Stones. I also think about, there's more of a, like I said, a lineage with them. Like Mm -hmm. you could sort of draw a line, for example, between them and a band like the Black Crows, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, right? Like you can find similarities between them. I can't really do that with the Beatles per se. I mean, I might be able to do that from like an instrumental perspective and be like, all right, so Ringo Starr is a drummer. I could go through a list of people that may follow in his footsteps, mm-hmm. but I could never do that for the Beatles as a band.
1: Right, no, totally fair. Um, I think of like my, my Stones dilemma, you know, if I were to say right now, I, you know, my, I always think of like the first record I was introduced to. My first Stones record was Emotional Rescue, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that can set you off on a totally different tangent. Um, but I love the Mick Taylor records the best, you know, I love that lane um, that that's that's the Stones that's just going to hit me like a gut punch and and, and I love it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't think the Stones were band after Bill Wyman left, you know, for me, it was, you know, I, I love me some Bill Wyman. That's, that's right. a, a sentence I never thought I'd actually utter, but um, I do <laughs> love me some Bill Wyman. Yeah. Which, which brings up like these tangents you can go on, like a good coronavirus question of the day might have been, you know, like which, you know, underrated band members, like I think, Richard, yeah, Richard Wright. The piano yeah. player, you know, playing keys for Pink Floyd. When that guy died, it was one of the most understated. You know, I, no one talked about it. Pink Floyd was Richard Wright in so many ways. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Paul Kantner. You know, Paul Kantner right. is, is far more. Uh, you know, it was, that was a really newsworthy death for me. Um, yeah. Oh, you know. for sure. I want to ask you about
0: Pink Floyd because sure, sure. you are sort of like my authority on Pink Floyd. Um, <laughs> well, it was my first tattoo, so. There you know. go. Well, this is like a team. this is a heavy teen Gilmore podcast, right? Yeah, sweet, I'm with you. Right, we don't re I don't really get down with this Roger Waters of, it, uh, certainly of now, I don't like him very much at all. Mm-hmm. Um I never really liked him, but certainly not right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about your love for Pink Floyd a little bit and maybe where that
1: comes from. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've had, Bands that I have gone down the whole rabbit hole, obsessed right. with in my lifetime. So that first band for me was the Stones. Like you look at my uh, my student council pic- council picture from like the seventh grade. I'm wearing like a Stones shirt and Jagger number one. Like I made it at the at the mall, you know. Uh, so it was a Stones deep dive. And then after that, like um, after I graduated high school, well, I was still in high school, I guess, but you know, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, couple years out of high school. It was all Pink Floyd all day. It was, you know. Um, and I just found the most, I, I, first of all, I think dark side's a symphony, uh, but speaking of that track, I hate the track money, but that's everybody's gotta, everybody's gotta make a record for the radio, you know, it's a track video, yep. but um, so it just, it became an obsession. And as soon as I saw um, Pink Floyd at Pompeii, that's a video I wore through. <laughs> um, I want that somehow to be released as, as a, as a playable vinyl record. Um, that I was obsessed with. I was obsessed with um, the interviews. I was obsessed with the interplay between especially uh, everything Gilmore did, because he was, you know, he was so hot back then too. But um, <laughs> um, you know, his interactions and his his um, him him playing off, you know, talk about quiet genius, but him playing off Richard Wright and Nick Mason in particular um it blew my mind and every record and they, they don't have a lot of studio records either but you know I, I that was a huge deep dive and then after that i guess my other really big di- deep dive went um into doing the dead which the dead have been part of my life forever but right. um but yeah pink floyd I, it was a uh, you know sometimes records and, and bands just find you when you need them i you know like a lot of people right after you know high school and in, you know those college years i wouldn't want to repeat them for anything in the world i think it's one of the most difficult stages of anyone's life if you don't have it like all oh, like oh yes you're going here bang your life's all figured out it's a really it can be such a painful time yeah. and floyd got me through a lot of pain you know no doubt just really figuring out what the hell i was going to do um because unlike you hannah i mean like you i also wanted to have a a life where i could just talk about music every day of my life and get paid for it handsomely when that didn't work out you know that that was hard yeah <laughs> um, you fortunately are are still killing it and crushing it, and I'm so proud of you. You know, um, no no question. But anyway, you know, point being, like, you know, just Floyd was just with me always. Um, and then everybody just assumes like you're just some, you know, like all you do is 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 shroom and sit around all day or something. If you're a Floyd fan, <laughs> which is, isn't the case, you know. No, no, um, there's more
0: listening going on. Like I remember hearing, um, my dad really loved parts of Dark Side. And uh-huh. he liked the wall because there were songs on there that he liked. My dad was a song guy; he was never like an album guy. Yeah, yeah. So It was a. There were a lot of like greatest hits collections laying around, but he yeah, liked. Monkey. Guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember the first time I listened to "Wish You Were Here" like in yeah. its entirety. Yeah, that to me is the experience. Like. There's something about that song in particular. It's sort of like a Hotel California or The End by the Doors. It's it's got this like energy to it that, you know, there's something so private about it. And like I had never experienced a rock band do anything like that before because it was, you could tell that Sid's death was so impacted David in a way that I don't know any person could recover from based on the the record itself you yep, know for sure and it was so powerful that was for me that was like the quintessential Pink Floyd experience I never got to see any of the Floyd members play because I don't really want to give Roger Waters any of my money I don't feel like doing that yeah so I saw Government Mule do "Dark Side of the Mule." Yeah, sure, sure, two like summers ago or something. And I'll never forget when they did "Shine On You Crazy Diamond," yeah. and it's like clear skies and you could see all the stars, and it's this beautiful New England summer night. Wow. And the 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 size of that song. Coming out of and Warren's voice
1: is just so perfect. It's like, Ugh. oh, what a well, that, divine... that guitar is made. Yeah, that, that guitar is made for a, a starry night. I think uh, from that track. You know, it's funny when I play in Pink Floyd. Like my choice of what to play for pandemic record of the day with Floyd was was also hard. I, like I really labored over that. In the end, I went with Adam Hart Mother, and I would say my enduring records are Adam Hart Mother and and Metal um, probably yeah, because Metal is what you see them doing in the Pompeii show. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate to see pink floyd um without roger waters at least so saw them in 87 and you know and and because this is how we work uh, if anybody those who are listening to this this is how hannah and i talk like oh and let me remind you um yeah. i saw the Bee Gees. i saw the Bee Gees live oh i saw them here's what's here's what's killer like it was in the like it was in the, like the fuck disco kind of kind of era um so it was like early 80s in like a dirt parking lot in st paul minnesota they did something called Riverfest. it's also and i also saw i saw sinead o'connor in that stretch just she walked off after two songs though because she was pissed and moody and left and we were all standing there like what the hell um but bummer it was a bummer but that's where i saw i saw stevie winwood play there i saw the mamas and the papas play like this really awful festival time like dirty parking lot but some of the best
0: the best though like the the moments where like i saw glenn hughes at a really Uh, small theater yeah you know with a crowd of dads and uncles and
1: (laughs) bikers and and, and, yep, yep yep
0: Dude's wearing the New Balance shoes, you know, like those dad New Balance shoes. And it was, I mean, there are a couple of us, like hippie kids there, you yep. know, that are fans of the old purple stuff. Yep. But I'm telling you, he, that was one of those moments of just like, you're in it, you know? And it was, it was, I felt that felt like a gift too, because it's this gross kind of theater off Tremont Street in Boston. Sure. Lynn Fucking Hughes. What do you think I'm gonna do? Say no. Yeah, of course, of course. No, no way. It's not. No, that was that was an unbelievable show. I'm trying to think of like other shows with guys or people who who were sort of like has been's at this point. There haven't been many. I was supposed to see Eric Johnson in a similar situation, but that never. That never came yeah. too. It had a thing I remember that, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that never happened, which is sort of a bummer. I wanna talk about the dead because- Okay, okay. Dead, it's you and it's my first ex-boyfriend in college who are like my <laughs> sort of dead, sort of my, my dead elders. Yep. Um, you've seen more dead shows than most people I know. Um, where did it start? like how did that how did they walk into your
1: life and and steal your heart yeah well if I'm if I'm really super being truthful it's of course um I w- marijuana was illegal for a long time and um mm-hmm. I remember like just every time you would go to someone's house to to buy a bag of weed that's what was <laughs> that on playing and you know they'd and you, you know, and and the dealers would always be talking about the shows and have the tapes, and I didn't know what the fuck I was happening. Um, it's its so, own little universe. Yeah. So if I'm being perfectly honest, like so many people who fell into the scene, it was the scene and not the music, and the music came second. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't lie about that. That's that's an absolute fact. All right. Um, but since then, I mean, God, of course, you know, I've discovered not only a family through that music, but I have discovered. Um, a, a band that just continues to, to give like every day, um, you know, so many shows to listen to so many, you know, I, if you want to talk about best versions of eyes of the world, I'm there with you. You want to talk about which Althea, you know, Al Franken will have that conversation with you, but um, yeah, you know, I agree with him that that's that NASA 1980 is the <laughs> best one. I do think he's right. I think he may be right too, actually. So, so that's where it started. That's that's an honest truth about where uh, the the dead started for me. But it did not take long for me to to get on the bus, no question. I did see the dead with Jerry. I'm really proud of that fact because that was you know nearing um, kind of the end of it all. Uh, mm-hmm. So I saw Yeah. So that that was a great show, and and you know seeing the dead with Jerry really set things in motion. Um, we all felt a little adrift, and you know. I, we've been there together. We are all on board with dead and company too. And it's about getting the family back together. It's about, um, and even bringing like my partner into it who was like, ah, the dead, whatever. I went with my brothers, blah, 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 like gets it now. Like this is about this is about hanging in the parking lot and meeting your friends and everybody's in the best freaking mood. And then... And no one has more fun in that parking lot than she does. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely fair. Uh, and then getting in, and meeting your seatmates and everybody like predicting the next song. And I was in the pit at the Chicago shows with Courtney Malcolm. And I um, I will never forget. I'm like, oh my God, I, I think I'm hearing, you know, um, they're doing the wait. And sure enough, the wait came on and it was like hugs all around. I mean, there's just something about that magic of, of, um, of just finding that commonality is, is yeah. so special. So
0: And how are you on John Mayer? Because there are people, I know people who are anti John Mayer and I understand that. you know I have friends who like you saw that we were on the road with the dead with Jerry for years and years and yep. you know who are who cannot do it, who do not believe in it. And, and that I understand, I get it, I totally get it. But if you had to look at some of those folks and make the case, what would it be? Well,
1: I used to get it and now I'm like, you're missing out that you're making a really poor choice. <laughs> you're, you're totally missing out. First of all, John Mayer's amazing. He's a student of the music. He yeah. is nothing but respectful of, of what's around him. And you can tell he is in awe every time he's on stage, even though he's blowing us away. Uh, yeah. Jerry, Jerry, Actually, I love Jerry's guitar. Uh, and it's a different, different thing. But, you know, John Mayer playing through uh, Jerry's pedal is just like, you close your eyes and you're there. Anyway, I think there's an amazing, uh, he's a student of the music. The way he works with Bobby Weir um, just melts my heart. Uh, yeah. so they're missing out, And they're also missing out on a scene that's back. You didn't have that with Further. You didn't have that with, you know, Rat Dog, you, you, to some extent. But this is just like, people are just hanging on for dear life to a moment that will, uh, you know, a, a scene that will never be the same. So yeah. it's the closest thing I've seen to it really being where it was once, uh, and, and and then like amplified, and that also includes the ticket prices, by the way. But that's another oh yeah, it does. <coughs> yeah, it almost feels downright greedy. I wasn't exactly happy to be that you know, Bobby's putting out you know sixty dollar live feed you know tickets. I, I don't like that. That's that's unnecessary. It seems a little greedy to me, but. As as, you know, anyway, so what I say to those people, you're making a really poor choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's
0: interesting because I, well, you know this, uh, we've had versions of this conversation before. I didn't get to see a lot of the bands in this form, in any form really until now. So the idea that like I can go to a show, have the experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and hear all those songs is a really meaningful, impactful thing. I Same thing goes for Tedeschi Trucks in a certain extent, you know, to a certain extent, I should say, because you know I've gone on and on and on and on and on with friends and you about how Derek, there is something that happens when he plays an Almond brother song that just cannot be recreated, yep. you know what I mean? There, it's like an open channel. And so, you know, I agree with you I think like why wouldn't you want to at least try
1: to grasp onto that you know one more time and we're going to get iterations where you're going to have O'Teal playing with some you know version of of Allman Brothers that's probably going to involve Derek or Susan or whatever uh, and then you're going to be able to see that you know that I hope so yeah I I I believe that is going to be our future I do I maybe I'm wishful but um but I, I hear you, there's something pretty special about um, just understanding that music can be fluid and the players can change, but uh, isn't it the vibe and- The energy. It was like when I went to see the brothers,
0: they did that one night only show- Damn, yeah. That was almost a year ago. It'll be a year next week since yeah. that night. That's right. I mean, That building, looking back on it, and we've had the folks, the 20 some odd of us that were there, was literally like a family reunion. Like everybody came in from Florida, New Jersey, Long Island, Manhattan, Boston, like everywhere we came from, yep. descended upon. And once it was clear, we had dinner at a place called, I think it was something Harry's, Midnight Harry's, something it was like it's a place five minutes from the garden. One of those sort of like pre-game, pre-show hangouts. Yep, yep. And we were upstairs and it was hot as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And there's literally there's 25 of us at two tables is all of our friends, everybody. And when, and it was clear at that time, this is what, 530 on a Tuesday. And everybody's checking their phone, checking Twitter, because news is starting to come out that this thing is here and it's happening. Mm-hmm. And we're and no, no, nothing came from the band, nothing. We were ready to, to, and we would understand, right? Yeah. Yeah. But nobody was saying anything. So everybody was kind of like, okay, I guess we're doing it. Yep. So we walk in. I mean, that restaurant, the bar we were at afterwards, and the venue itself were petri dishes, absolute petri dishes for this thing. And I bet, you know, but despite that, something happened. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. It was like the lights went down and everybody's like, ah, ah, and I, it's, I have never seen this. I've never gotten three hours of Almond Brothers music ever. Uh-huh. I've got one song at, during one show, during a run. Like I've never gotten like a full night. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, here we go. It's happening. And it was Incendiary the yeah. entire night. It was just like boom, 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 boom. And then afterwards, I got to see Susan and Derek and, you know, Dwayne Trucks, who's Derek's younger brother, who's in widespread panic, who filled in for Butch, obviously, because Butch is no longer with us. Right. And, you know, a whole bunch of our friends were at this bar afterwards. And it was like, oh my God, we did it. Everybody did it. We did it. it, it. And it was just, it was like everybody felt like they were floating, mm-hmm. you know. And then the next day, you know, I get home at three o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I have to be on, I'm on a bus at seven o'clock the next day or something. And people are starting to wear masks and there are cleaning crews at Port Authority with mops and squeegee and like, like I had never seen people so frantically trying to get out of a place yeah, ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I got back home to my dorm mm-hmm. to an email that said, don't leave your room. <laughs> or like don't leave your house like you can't leave like if you're leaving the building you know that that was it it literally was the end and it felt like and it was it it, no one I don't I think people knew how bad it was going to be Mm -hmm. there had to have been a sense among folks some people that it was going to be this bad but the fact that it's been a
1: year yeah I'm telling you insane the fact that it's been a year and I've been able to inflict some of my collection on anybody that's listening has been a ton of fun too. Yes, I'm um, sure. Yeah. You know, so that like, that's how we're getting through just back to this whole point of like what this year has been like. Um, you know, I I, uh, I, I have a little bit of pleasure when I know, you know, I, I know some people are following, you know, what I'm posting each day and, and I have this like little bit of joy where I'm like, you know, kind of like, haha ha, I made you listen to fill in the blank you know it, it's so much fun I think that's the beauty I, I know you share that Hannah like I you need to hear this um and uh, you know I, I get a little I've I had uh some great retweets and I've had some surprises in terms of like you know some artists that have found that I'm pulling their records out from the dust and yeah that's, that's, that's that. awesome there are fans everywhere of everything you can imagine that's something I've learned through this too um yeah. So you know, like, like, uh, do you know do you know Lemon Jelly? Have we talked about Lemon Jelly ever? Okay, so there's a uh, Fred Deacon is a graphic artist who was also a DJ and had a a pretty prolific uh, run with a, a duo called Lemon Jelly, and now he's made like a concept record and um, yeah. called Blasters. Anyway, blah blah blah. Like when Fred Deacon retweeted me, it was like I was, uh, you know, like I was, you know, I'm I'm 51 fucking years old and I'm like a little schoolgirl. Like, oh my god, you know. Uh, the Go Team retweeted me. I'm just trying to think who else. Um, there's a band I love called The Milk that's out of the UK. Okay. It's kind of a, uh, a, a straight up soul band. Um, okay. When The Milk caught on. Ephemerals, that's another one. So like being able right. to play that stuff for people has been a blast. Even if it's, you know, three people who paid attention and I- in truth. Just, I think you know how it is. Like if you can, oh. if you can, you know, just That see is the best the feeling form. ever. Yeah, I, I think so too, you know. Best feeling ever. You I know. get, like,
0: when I, do, I haven't missed a song of the day in five years, I don't think. Wow. Like so do the daily tunage, everybody knows who follows me, I do the daily tunage, yep. and it's just, you know, every now and then, it doesn't happen all the time, Right. but every now and then, somebody will comment, like, man, I really like that, or man, I went check that out or whatever, and I'm like, yes, yep. yes, that's what you're supposed to do, that's yes. the whole thing, Yeah just it's it's or the other side of that is i love to write about bands that nobody remembers right we've had this conversation
1: 100
0: yeah million times and i will have it until i'm blue in the mouth because yep. it's so important like bands like blue cheer for yeah, example yeah,
1: right? yeah.
0: who well, the musos we know but right. like casual fans do not but you need to understand the context because rock and roll history like any other history didn't happen in a bubble or a vacuum or what have you and it's like this idea that I could turn somebody on to something that was like um happening at a similar time like when cream was happening or whatever and like now they're all excited about this new band, this new band or whatever that's like the best feeling in the world for me
1: I'm like, I'm, I hear you. I, so I'm with you. Like, I can't wait. I get giddy. I think you can relate to this. I'm going to play spirits, 12 dreams of Dr. Sardonicus, and yeah! I'm so excited, you know, and, and every time I can throw, you know, I, I get such shit for loving jazz and I do love jazz, you know? Um, but if this I can jazz, we use a jazz safe space. You can like jazz on this show. Okay. Thank you. Cause, uh, that that's, uh, it's not always an easy, um, easy you world. Know. But um, people can understand how broad jazz has become and how it's evolved. And, uh, you know, like Mark to Clive Lowe is a great example of that. Like, go listen to that, dude. Um, you know, he's not just playing jazz piano. You know, he's, he's bringing in hip hop elements. And But um, you really go
0: down the rabbit hole. Like, you, you turned me on to Herbie Mann recently. <laughs> like, because- that's. That's like, that. that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. Like the jazz flute,
1: as you said, is an acquired taste. Jazz flute is so underrated in this world, but, and, and then I dare anyone to go look at the Push Push album cover with, you know, Herbie Mann in his hair shirt, you know, with (laughs) the, (laughs) the jazz flute over his shoulder. It's amazing. But then the fact that he freaking played with Greg Ullman, you know, come on, you know, like people don't get, well, I don't know, people, people might get this. Of course they get it, but, you know, some don't understand just, Um, Who is influencing who and how it's layered and when you start really pulling at the thread. I mean, it's like this incredible continuum of, you know, spirit turned into Yacht Rock with Jay Ferguson, you know, it's just, it's bizarre stuff. Yeah, Um, and that's why that's why you never got to class because we would sit in my office and talk like this. I'm sorry to all of your teachers but I'm like I think Hannah should come down I'm sending her a pass. uh, um, Even my teachers though that's the thing too like even my teachers were music heads
0: like I remember people like Mr. Mm Regona who is probably one of the most I think first of all he's one of the best teachers I've ever had for a whole bunch of reasons. Yep. But he's also one of the most intelligent, musically intelligent people. I think both you and I could yep. say, right? Like he is, he is, like he um, he has such an incredible knowledge of punk music yep. that like even that
1: is just encyclopedic. You yeah. know, listen, Rigona will say, and and I've talked, you know, Dead Kennedys and Black Flag and Henry Rollins with Rigona all the time, but. Did you know that once Mr. Dixon thought that you and I felt like we're going to had the best working knowledge of punk music, Mr. Dixon was pissed. Really? (laughs) Oh yeah. So, you know, but again, it just goes to show, like I just thought you were some nerdy, you know, biology teacher, but oh no. No,
0: no. (laughs) And it's, and like, he was one of those people who, the more that I learned about punk after that, the more I understood his teaching style and some Uh of the things that he did, like, I was not a very good student. I've never been a very good student. And I was really like on the verge of not passing that class. I'm sure you remember this. I do recall. And and he said to me, he was like, you know, you do all the work you missed and I'll give you a C and we'll pass you and, you know, and there was something about, and the more that I learned about the punk scene and the community and the let's help each other out kind of environment, the more I sort of understood that kind of a mentality. even in education and I was like that is that's the juice right there
1: yeah that's super
0: interesting sure that's that for me was the juice you know and Mr. Schiebler of course of course um, who you know used to play music for us all the time I remember one time I think I may have talked to you about this but we were reading is I will never forget this and this is the prime example of me in high school (laughs) we were reading into the wild uh-huh. and Eddie Vedder had done the soundtrack yep, for that soundtrack. for the great movie yep. unbelievable yep. which it's an incredible album on its own like adjacent to the movie and the book and all that stuff it works absolutely but on its own everybody should go listen to it because those songs are so incredible
1: yeah yep.
0: um <laughs> but we were listening to it and somebody in the class was like who's Eddie Vedder? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, and of course, I'm fuming, right? And and I think Mr. Sheila may have said something like, oh, he was the singer in this band Pearl Jam and this and that. And then somebody else was like, what's a Pearl Jam?
1: Oh, my God. Okay. And then the- And I
0: raised my hand and Mr. And he just was like, just go, just that- go <laughs> like get out. Because I was about I was inches from losing it on yeah, yeah. this person.
1: Inches. No yeah. Well, speaking of Schiebler too, I mean, he is my brother in Loggins and Messina. So just <laughs> bringing it back to people's <laughs> pleasures. That guy, his knowledge of, I mean, he's a Montauk guy, but his knowledge of California gold <laughs> is on fire. That, that guy's shameless, Yacht Rock all day. And he, you know, I love that about him. But he also like, he infused a lot of his...
0: A teenager into a lot of what he was doing in class, too, which I, which of course somebody like me was just like, tell me more. Yeah, like, yeah. I would have never discovered the importance of bands like the New York Dolls. Sure. Bones. Yep. I always really liked the Misfits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I found Danzig before I found the Misfits. Sure. Okay. You know, that yep. happened backwards. But um, I, uh, he would talk about Max's Kansas City and CBGBs and all yeah. these places and, yep. you know, really developed an interest in the history of New York hardcore and stuff. Did I ever tell you that, that she told me, she told me that she saw the birds
1: in a high school gym? Mm, I don't think I did. That's incredible. I know, I know, I know Schiebler saw the almonds in a, in a, yeah. in a gym, but yeah. It's... Yeah. I
0: remember she told me that and I nearly stopped dead in my tracks. I think she may have told me that as I was leaving somewhere. Yeah. And as I was like, you're going to tell me that you saw, like, David Crosby before he's David Crosby? Right. And, like, I have to go to, like, math now? <laughs> no. And especially, of course, you have to go
1: to math, too. I mean, that's, that's the worst, uh, worst yeah. solution. But all of
0: my teachers, too, the point of that story is that all of them were music-heavy people, too. Like, Arganbo used to do a song of the day. Yeah. Band did that. Like, yep. I owe so much of my musical education to you guys, for sure. Like, I, the last time I talked to Mr. Argenbo was couple of almost a year ago now I think yeah I sent him an email because right when, when the crows were getting back together he was the guy that would, like turned me on to the crows yep and so I was like did you hear about this like holy shit like it's happening yep you know? yep. and so you know I owe so much of my musical and rock and roll education to you guys so thank you all for that our pleasure <laughs> it's like part of it's it's your fault it's also my parents fault for not playing me like baby
1: einstein or you know kids bop or whatever thank god thank god for that that's exactly right so yeah, they uh, never played any of that shit for us every kid needs to dig into their parents album collection no matter how bad it is whether it's you know paul anka and, and tom jones or you know either way just understanding people uh through their musical choices is is, is a beautiful yeah. It's a beautiful exercise, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I do have
0: a couple of like fun questions that we okay. can get on sure. because um, the, I asked these questions of everybody, Okay. Um, let me find them. Of course, I didn't pull them up. Um, so I'm gonna m- maybe add a couple because I feel like this has the potential to be a, a fruitful discussion. So what's the best concert you've seen as, as a fan what's the best concert you've seen in the last five years or so in
1: the last five years okay um i'm gonna say the dead and company shows in chicago when i went with courtney malcolm and i met uh, my friend ann and um those were great shows but it's the one time the first night i was with courtney when um um i'm a china you know China cats, a a China rider came out and she was like dying and she that's her favorite thing. So that was cool. But we were in the pit the next night and we were like, Oh my God, we're 51 year 50 year old women, but we can, if we can like not have to rush to the bathroom, we're going to be able to be on this, you know, like touching the stage basically. So we felt like we were 12 years old again. And so that, that was a really special experience. I wanted to be in the pit for a dead show uh, my entire life. So that um, in the last five years was a was probably the most special show sure yeah for but me i, I, I want to talk to you about so many shows too but we don't i know me too
0: shows. i would say the brothers at madison square garden was really sort of life affirming in so many ways very cool I, I, i'll tell you the story i don't think i told you the story but afterwards we found out where everybody was hanging out afterwards yeah. as typically is the case and um I've met Derek and Sue before numerous times over the past couple of years and I'm never ever sure if anybody remembers me you know like I know Tim and I we know each other like you know like there's certain people that like I talk to enough on a regular basis that if I saw them at like Starbucks or wherever they'd be like oh hey what's up you know yep but I'm never sure if if they remember me ever yep but I'm the girl with the Almond Brothers tattoo. So they yeah. sometimes put the face and the tattoo together. Anyway, um, at the end of that night, I was talking to Derek a little bit, you know, congratulations. This is unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. And I'm leaving to go home to my friend's apartment uh, where I was staying at. And I was like, you know, I never got to see the brothers when I was younger because when the band broke up I was I was you know 12 or 13 or something maybe yep I didn't get that I never got that experience this really meant everything to me like thank you so much for doing this this meant everything and he looked at me he was like I'm glad you were here
1: yeah sweet
0: it's just a really special moment and you know getting to be with all my friends in that Teeny tiny little room together, like breathing and sweating on each other was like, I never thought I would miss that environment. Uh But god damn it, I'll be damned if I miss it.
1: You'll do anything for it now. Yeah, yeah.
0: So hungry for it. And it was just the spirit of that night and all of the people that I met that evening who had seen the brothers numerous times, you know, obviously everybody knows they were in New York and every March, this is Almond Brothers month, right? Yep. This is beacon time. So, you know, so many people there that evening had been going to see them for, you know, decades. Yep. And it was so special. The other one was going to see John Fogarty at Bethel Woods on the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Yeah, I remember that you took the boss out there, and yeah. Oh, we might as well have hitchhiked out there how hard yeah. it was to get there. But like, yeah. crazy about it, it was another one of those experiences. I'm sure you've had these experiences too, where like your cell phone doesn't work mm-hmm. and you're stuck <laughs> talking to the people around you. And there were kids with their parents and though and their parents' parents, right, coming yeah. back you know, friends who had met at the original festival that were coming back. It was like, oh my God, what an incredible experience, not only because of the music, of course, to hear John Fogarty do two and a half hours of Credence material, which is like, however did we get blessed with that, (laughs) you know, um, but to hear the stories of like folks who had slept in their cars and stayed in that traffic for days to get there. Like that to me is the gravy. Like that's really what it's all about. Yeah, that's
1: 100%. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, The worst show you've seen in the past five years.
1: Oh, in the last five. You know, the five years is tripping me up a little. Can Can I expand and just say the worst show? Yes, please. I walked out of seeing the Cocteau Twins. I walked out out you walked out you left i left i've never done that in my life i walked out i was not feeling it um i guess i just didn't think i i thought i was a bigger fan than i was (laughs) or one of us like you think you're supposed to be a fan and i was like this sucks and and i've come to realize i like one of their records (laughs) that's really it so that was that was a personal thing um so that 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 sucked uh that's probably one of the worst shows i've ever seen Mm. um I give a lot of leeway. I, 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 I you know, li- like you. In the end, I know what goes into a live show, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. You know,
0: you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll power through. I saw, um, Little Feet.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And
0: I love Little Feet, and I know a guy who works for Little Feet, and yep. you know, we love them, but I'm telling you, they. I don't know if it was the room. <laughs> I don't know if it was the band, mm-hmm. because there were other people who I knew who had seen them on that tour. Yep. Like, I don't like them enough to go see every show. Like, exactly. I wanted to go see them to say that I saw Little Feet yep. and, you know, have that be the thing. I don't know if it was the room. I don't know if it was where I was sitting. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it sounded like mashed potatoes. Ah, it sucks. And I was like, what a bummer. Because you know it was- Yeah, yeah.
1: It was a bummer cuz I was like so pumped. Yeah, sound can make move. everything. Yeah, for sure. I saw The Stones in the Metrodome in Minneapolis and that was horrible. Watching The Stones oh. at uh, at Gillette. I mean, give me a break. At the time, yeah. terrible but um
0: Adventure is a shitty place to see a show too because the sound like is yeah. everywhere it sucks
1: yeah it does oh, you can be really particular about that but uh you know when i i, I managed a record store for a long time it's still the best job i ever had in my life and i got to meet a lot of people through that work and got some great tickets so got a lot of great tickets for uh the steel wheels tour with the stones that was super fun but i saw yeah, went bowling with michael stipe uh, that was a crazy thing um so Uh, but my point of this because i can ramble sorry is little feet back to little feet um there was a lane in the late 80s early 90s where little feet the radiators there was just like some bad yeah it was weird it was weird that the uh i feel like it was so technically overdone that you lost every bit of soul that was in that music So maybe you you saw a Little Feet show that was just way too 1989 or something. I don't know. I
0: I have no idea. It was just, (laughs) it was not, it made, to me, it made no sense. Right, right. This fucking sucks. It was, it sucks not because they were bad. They they played fine. Mm -hmm. It's just, it sounded really like, "Mm."
1: That's Um, too bad.
0: I I like Little Feet too, yeah. I do too. And I was pumped. What a bummer that was. The other one that I would say would be the Chris Robinson Brotherhood
1: uh yeah together yeah yeah yep that
0: was um i was really disappointed because this was like i want to say a couple years before he started playing crows music again yeah and there was out and the talk was already starting to happen of like is chris robinson ever going to sing a black crow song again yeah everybody and he had done it like once on that tour and we were all like (sighs) yep and essentially came out and played lounge music for a couple of hours right and i was like You're i don't know why we watch you know? i remember being able to like hear a whole bunch of conversations and people were talking and it wasn't sold out it was like not just didn't work like that works in big sur yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Boston,
1: yeah. You know. yeah super
0: underwhelming though yeah and what a bummer yeah one book you've read i said while in during quarantine but over the course of the pandemic
1: oh my god so hannah i have i'm reading voraciously me too just like i can't stop reading and i'm so happy about that um i recommend everyone read a book by chuck wendig called the wanderers wanderers okay you know me i like i like uh you know supernatural you know uh, tomes um that that was an excellent excellent read. How about you?
0: Okay, like you, I've been reading voraciously. Um, I just finished a really wonderful short story collection by a girl called Danielle Evans. The book is called The Office of Historical Corrections.
1: Okay, cool title. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's um, very sort of like current events based. You know, a lot of uh, stories about racism and and sexism and a lot of the isms that were dealing with as a country right now. And she finds a way to make, to craft stories that are relevant and timely, super duper sharp, mm-hmm. um, witty, darkly funny at certain points. Um, real, real page turner. Um, I got that for book of the month, which was sort of an unexpected pick. I was like, oh, I like a short story collection and sure. absolutely blew me out of the water. The one that I'm reading right now is called Luster by Raven Leilani. Okay. Um, which is about an artist living in manhattan having an affair with some married guy i'm not too far into it yet but i am so blown away by this woman's writing she kind of reminds me of david foster wallace yeah sure sure in the way that she uses grammar okay yeah. like in a way that i mean foster wallace is sort of like a very much a writer's writer you know, like a Don Willow or an A.M. Holmes or something. And I love people like that. I'm a huge fan of A.M. Holmes, but that's not like everybody's cup of tea, you know, not everybody's reading, writing to like read the writing and like, you know, but she uses these really interesting grammatical techniques that yet also the books are readable, you know, it's a It's 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 hard to describe because it's readable and it's accessible to everybody. Yet yeah. at the same time for somebody, for folks like us who may be more academic, I guess, in certain respects can have a real fun time, like trying to pick apart the technical elements of this book. So absolutely. As I they we
1: hope you be. would do, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, it's yeah. tremendous. Um, name three things you're grateful for.
1: Wow. Uh, I am grateful for... My record collection. <laughs> I'm just gonna go start out and be super shallow. Um, I'm grateful that, uh, in in some ways, I'm honestly grateful for pieces of COVID uh, and this whole experience. In that, I have learned and gotten an affirmation of who my people are in a lot of ways. Um, I've been able to foster deeper relationships with some of my friends. Um, I've been able to you know like I the, the my my best friend in Minneapolis, Louise, that I did my radio show with, um, we've had some real conversations that went beyond music, which is very rare for us, I think. Not rare, but you know like we've we've had you know it, it's been very real. Uh, people's especially my single friends who have gone through this without a partner. Um, I, I guess I'm just grateful for zoom. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to say it, but that that's, that's been it. Um, and I'm also, I'm grateful for wow, Hannah, I I'm just grateful for, for love and good vibes. Cause I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a positive person and I try to instill that in every, every interaction I have with people. And I, 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 am I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to keep that yeah. so we're in a really difficult time with a lot of people being very lonely, being very sick. Um, Yes. really struggling. So yeah, yep. that's my three, I guess. Yep. Top
0: yeah. For me, I would say that I'm grateful for music. Yep. Books, because without those two things, I can guarantee you that the people living in this house would not be getting along as well as they are barely. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm thankful and grateful for my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I've become a very I was always spiritual and I always did yoga and was into that kind of stuff. And like new age hippie thinking was always something that I was prone to be interested in. But it's really become like a way of living for me.
1: Well, you're, you're doing the practice now for sure. Oh,
0: yeah. It's like yeah. fully become a part of who I am, which yep. is amazing. You know, I've been doing the, the classes, like yoga classes on and off for 15 years since mm-hmm. I'm seven but living a yogic life has been something that has kept my head on straight given me like a daily routine I guess because you know avoiding a plague is like a job in, in and of itself right and it's like it's really hard you being a positive person as well me being like a imperial internal optimist mm-hmm. you know finding things to be hopeful about Yeah. It's really, really hard right now. Be super challenging. Yeah. And so to have that has been super duper helpful. And also I'm grateful for things like zoom too, to like, keep me connected with people that are important to me that I can't be with right now, because a lot of them are, you know, folks who, you know, have health problems. Some Mm -hmm. of them have, you know, issues where they, if they get this disease, like, that could be it you know it's really scary I'm really glad that we're sort of I feel like we're inching beyond that part now where enough people at least and I'm sure you could say something similar folks in the immediate circle grandparents parents aunts uncles of a certain age or at least have are like half vaccinated yep you know, so like I think we're moving, at least in my, from like a mental health perspective, I guess we're moving past a certain phase of angst. Yes. Yep. That feels really good, but yep. also there's this like I don't know. Uh, I don't know.
1: Hasn't spring outside of last spring always you know bred optimism? It has for me, that's for sure. So. No, that's
0: true. That's good absolutely.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, is there one new record out right now that you love?
1: Oh. Too many, too many. But um, you know, they're, they're, on that question, um, Adrian Young just put out like a magnum opus called the American Negro that, that uh, integrates his compositions with some spoken word on race. That's really amazing. Uh, I just pre-ordered that vinyl after hearing, you know, a digital of it. Um, I uh, Idris Ackermore and the Pyramids. That, that, I'm gonna throw that one out there. I love that spiritual jazz has kind of made a, a resurgence and that record is just a trip it's so so good it's so good and um anything that the comet is coming puts out i i will buy it oh and do you know uh black roads or um sorry black country new road
0: sounds familiar I don't
1: know why. gotta check that out too i just got picked that up on vinyl black country new road it's kind of like a uh art house noise uh but okay. uk and super clever and there are like a hundred people in the band i think but um so, so is like a magma kind of thing <sighs> i think you gotta just check it out black okay. country road just yeah just okay. uh, that's kind of the darling of of kind of the manchester scene right now but so um,
0: about it I'll check that out for sure. I have like a whole, I made like a list for this episode because Uh I was like, I have to, I have to like show up properly. (laughs) To (laughs) you,
1: Tell me Greg Fotes Um, on it. Do you, you, I know you love Greg Fote now. I do (laughs) like Greg
0: Fotes. I I like Greg Fotes a lot. And I think people should be listening to him, certainly. But because I know you're like a jazz kind of person, there's this wonderful band uh, that a friend of, a couple of friends of mine are in called Groot. Groot. G-R-U-T. With the umla over the U, the album. <laughs> like, yeah, With an umla, yeah, it's called, making it to Groot. <laughs> Yes, right. I am, they, they are Groot. Um, the album came out in the summer. It's called Work Week. Okay. I'll, right. send, I'll send you a, a. I got my
1: pen. I'm writing this down.
0: Five, five, yeah. yeah. Um, very, very cool. Kind of like um, sort of a more hip hop influence, I'd say, more on the J Dilla side, J Dilla Mad Lib side. Yeah. They're all trained they're all studied musicians you know bass player went to jazz school i think a couple of other guys in the band went to school for music i know the drummer plays with esperanza Spalding. like hello <laughs> serious, serious guys um and i can tell you more after this too yeah um, and then i have let's see the new the black crows 30th anniversary of shake your money maker is fucking killer i can't stop listening to their cover of jealous guy
1: Yeah. 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 That's 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 too much
0: for me. It's too much for me to handle. And like the, it's, dare I say, it's hard for me to handle.
1: Um, Ah, nice. Good for you. (laughs) um,
0: But they did a cover of my favorite Humble Pie song, which is 30 Days in the Hole. Yeah. And that whole live set that they released from the early nineties is like, can't touch them in the early nineties. You just can't do it. So I've been like gobbling up that, uh, as much as I possibly can. So those are like, those are the, the selections for today.
1: Beautiful. I love it. I'm gonna check them all out, no doubt. Yes. So. And my last question is why do you love music? Um, because it's been my eternal and faithful best friend since the first time I got my little Fisher Price turntable yes. with the plastic records. It's yes. it's the one constant in my life. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. Likewise. Supposed yeah, yeah simple as yeah. that. That's why we get along.
0: Yeah, same.
1: Well, thank <laughs> you so much for doing this. I'm gonna stop the recording. All right. My pleasure, Hannah. Thank you. Okay.